Good morning, everyone. Happy Wednesday morning to you all. It is Wednesday, June 2nd. We are officially in June. I can't believe the year is flying by and the summer has already begun. So that's exciting. It's exciting for those of you who aren't living in Texas because in Texas we've had rain like nonstop for the last two weeks or so. But hey, there you go. Today we are studying 1 Timothy chapter 4. And if you're joining us live, we're doing it a little earlier than normal. Uh, have a, a meeting to attend to. So um, thanks for being uh, uh, being flexible and for uh, joining me 30 minutes early. But for those of you who are listening on a podcast, uh, we are excited that you're joining us as well as we study 1 Timothy chapter 4. I think I think it's a, a chapter that uh, we're going to uh, enjoy studying. I think it's a chapter we're going to enjoy studying. So thanks for making time to, to be with me for this. Okay, so let's jump right in. Verses 1 and 2. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will renounce the faith by paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared with a hot iron. The hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared with a hot iron. So basically what Paul is saying here in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, is that things are going to get worse before they get better. In later times, some will renounce the faith by paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. So it's going to get worse before it gets better. It is going to be difficult. There is going to be a lot of challenges in the future that you are going to have to deal with. And they're basically going to come from evil powers, and the deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, and through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared with a hot iron. Okay. So the idea of scripture that the, the present age, the, the age in which we live, is uh, ruled by the ruler of the prince of the air or by uh, evil spirits or Satan, that, that's consistent with scripture, that the, the world that we live in today is, is ruled by Satan, that Satan is active through, de- through demons, however you want to say that. Um, and so the present age is ruled by evil powers. And so the message of God and the, the presence of the Holy Spirit for the people of God and for all of humanity, you know, is working to help people overcome, uh, overcome the work of Satan and the evil powers. Uh, but, and so the, the, through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared with a hot iron. So these people will lie and lie and lie and lie and never feel bad about it. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, refers to Satan as the father of all lies. All lies come from Satan. And so you can see the power of Satan in the world as people tell lies and don't feel bad about it. Uh, So the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared with a hot iron, meaning that they're just not going to feel bad about it. Uh, And and, and so, you know, the early church believed that... uh, False teachings and, and negativity and, and all the, the challenges that came from demons and from Satan. Uh, but, but, you know, who do we blame? Who do we blame for the challenges in the world? Who do we blame for the sins of others that make our lives more difficult? Who, who do we blame for all the bad, 
right? All the bad things that people do. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, is it what we call it narcissism, right? Or we call it uh, selfishness or self-centeredness, the desire to be on top, right? Uh, Where does that come from? Does that come from Satan? Does that come from, as he says, the the teachings of demons uh, in our lives? I, I don't know. But, you know, it's I think it's an interesting it's an interesting verse that uh, we can see playing out in the world today still, right? The hypocrisy of liars who consciences are seared with a hot iron. People will tell you a lie and they'll continue a lot lying to you if they think it's going to help them. That's the way of the world. And, uh, and they're not going to feel bad about it at all. Uh, so who do we blame for that? Well, I don't know. All right. We continue verses three through five. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods which God's create which God created to be received to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected, provided it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by God's word and by prayer. So another shot at the Gnostics. Paul is basically saying to the, the Gnostics that those who um, would would tell people that they need to refrain from certain things, refrain from marriage, refrain from certain foods. Uh, Paul says that everything that God made is good. We do not need to refrain from God's gifts. Just use them correctly and with thanksgiving. I think it's an important lesson that we all need to hear, that all that we have is a gift from God. All that we have is a gift from God. God has blessed us generously and, and blessed us through grace. Uh, and and the danger then is that we become spoiled, right? We become spoiled, meaning that we don't uh, we don't see we, we don't we don't see that the things we have are a gift. We and, and we and we try to gather as much as possible, and we become you know entitled. We, we, there's a feeling of entitlement. All that I have you know is is mine, and I need more, and I need more, more, more. Yeah, uh, I was talking to a member of our congregation uh, talking about philosophies on raising children. And he said, you know, the, the way that I define a spoiled child or what, what uh, keeps a child from being spoiled is one, sharing what you have and two, being thankful for it. If you share what you have and you're thankful for it, then you're not spoiled, right? So, so all that we have is a gift from God. We are called by God to receive it with thanksgiving. And to share it because all these gifts that God has given the people of the world, right? All the the people, uh, you know, is to be shared with one another to make sure that everyone has enough. Uh, and so we are we 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 share because no one can monopolize God's gifts, and we are grateful, thanking God for these things in our lives. And 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 it says, provided is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by God's word and by prayer. And so when we pray. Uh, a prayer of thanksgiving for the things that we have. It is that thing is sanctified, right? It is it is made sacred. It is made holy. Uh, it is seen as a gift from God. And so the the importance of giving thanks to God for all that we have. Uh, then we could continue right with the next verses, verses six and seven, which is just some advice for Timothy. If you put these instructions before the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound teaching that you have followed, have nothing to do with profane myths and old wives' tales. So, basically, the 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 advice here to Timothy from Paul is to teach the people in your congregation what I'm telling you to teach them. 
right? Um, you know, I am now, this is chapter four. I'm doing my best to tell you everything I can, to teach you as much as I can, so that you teach it to the congregation, so that you teach them, uh, teach them in a gentle way and, and help them to help them to learn and help them to understand what it means to be a child of God. Um, and, and I love this, this phrase, uh, nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound teaching you have followed, uh, to be nourished on the words of the faith. You know, it's, it's important for teachers, um, uh, who are teaching to, to continue to study, right? To continue to read, to continue to learn. As someone who teaches the Bible, it's important for me to continue to learn about the Bible. It's important for me to continue to read and to, to learn myself from other teachers. Um, but, but study for the sake of nourishment. I love that word. I love that word here, uh, to be nourished on the words. You know, we think when we think of nourishment, what do we think of? What do we think of is that which, you know, we think of food and we think of water, that which nourishes our body, you know, vegetables and fruits and all that stuff. Uh, but the word of God, but the word of God is the words of the faith, as, as uh, Paul writes to Timothy, is nourishment. It's nourishment for our soul. It's nourishment for our life. It helps us uh, and it's something that we should uh, often intake, right? And so for those of you who are listening to this, I hope this is nourishing for you. Uh, I hope this is spiritual nourishment for you. And if it's not, then I hope you, you know, do some some devotion or study or find another podcast or whatever that is nourishment for you. But I think it's important that we are nourished on the words of faith. He says, have nothing to do with profane myths and old wives' tales. You know, the, avoid the myths and wives' tales. Stick to the truth. Stick to what we know. Let's not, let, let's not participate in, the, uh, in that which is a, a myth or a wives' tale or that we can't prove or that we don't know is true. And so a few years ago, every few years this comes up, right? What about the other Gospels? The Gospels of Peter, the Gospels of Judas, the, all these other Gospels that come up. Why aren't they included in Scripture? Why, you know, why don't we study those? Why don't we? Well, the reality is those Gospels, from what we know, from what we understand, were written not by the person whose name is on it. So the Gospel of Peter, our belief isn't that it was written by Peter. It was just someone later who's like, I'm going to write a, the Gospel according to Peter. And and 100 years later, and they write it. Um, or with Judas, the, the, um, Jesus had... Uh, two disciples named Judas. And so, you know, it's not necessarily the, the bad Judas, right? We don't believe that he left anything in writing. But some of this stuff is, you know, it's, it's, it's wives' tales and myths, you know, that, that uh, Jesus, um, you know, cut a board too short because he was a carpenter and he just stretched it with his, you know, with his magic ability to stretch wood. Um, you know, is that, is that something that needs to be part of scripture? Is that, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a myth. It's a wives' tale, right? Uh, so we stick to the truth. We stick to what we know. We stick to what's consistent in scripture. And so as we read through scripture, specifically as we read through the New Testament, we see certain consistencies and that's what we stick to. And we, we create theologies off of those consistencies. And that theology is that which we Built the, build the church, the theology of the church on, and that which we proclaim. Uh, so stick to the truth and avoid myths and wives' tales. And then we go to the end of the chapter, verses 12 and 13. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love and faith and purity. Until I arrive, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhorting, to teaching. Okay, so... Uh, let no one despise your youth. Other translate, let no one look down on you because you are, uh, because you are young, right? That's, um, and, and this is a very popular 
youth group verse, right? Let no one despise your youth. Uh, it's on, uh, you know, tons of youth group t-shirts. You go to the National Youth Gathering and you see all these different youth groups from all around the country. And so many of them have this verse on there. Let no one look down on you because you are young or let no one despise your youth. But the word that we translate as youth is the Greek word neotis, which actually means of military age. Uh, which is 40 years old or younger. So Timothy was 40 or under. So if we translate this, let no one despise the fact that you're 40 years old or younger. Uh, it, it takes a little bit of a different different turn on it, but uh, it, it, you know, I, I I think the the same is true. If you know, we we don't want to look down on our high school youth groups and that kind of thing. It's important uh, that they understand that they have the same type of, of of status in the church that anyone else has and, and can be leaders. Um, but uh, Basically, what what Paul is saying to Timothy is you're under 40 and you are a pastor to a congregation and people are older than you. Don't let them look down on you because they are older than you, right? Um, Instead, set an example in speech and conduct in love and faith and purity. Love and faith and purity. Uh, You're not going to silence critics by arguing with them. You're going to Silence critics by the way you conduct yourself. So if you want to live a life that is above reproach, that is above criticism, then live a life of love, faith, and purity. Now, Christian love is, it's interesting, it's, Christian love is not of the heart, right? The, the heart chooses those who we love. The heart chooses those who we choose to spend a life with. The Christian Christian love is, is not of the heart. It's of the will. We will to love somebody, right? Because Christ loved us first. And so it's not a, it's not a love that comes from the heart where, you know, if you see like, cartoons or cartoon characters fall in love, you know, hearts come from their chest and, and, you know, they, uh, it's not that kind of love. It's the kind of love that comes from the will that says, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, I'm still going to love you. That's Christian love. And so it's learning to love your neighbor. It's learning to love your enemy. It's learning to love those whom you disagree with. It's learning to love people who you struggle with. Right. And so it's, it's loving those who, um, who are difficult to love. And then faith, remain faithful in all situations. Remain faithful in all situations. No matter what, remain faithful to Jesus. Never, never set aside your faith for something. You know, no matter what, no matter what situation you're in, remain faithful. And purity means to live a life according to the teachings of Jesus, right? To the teachings of, of Scripture, not the world, right? So live according to the way Jesus would have you live. Love others, remain faithful, and do your best to live the way Jesus would have you live. And nobody can really criticize you. Nobody can really criticize you. So uh, important uh, uh, lesson here for Timothy, but I think an important lesson for everybody, right? It's an important lesson for everybody. Love your neighbor, right? Love your enemies. Remain faithful and be as as pure as possible by living a life according to the teachings of Jesus, not the world. Um, you know, this, this faithful in all situations, I mean, I mean, I think it's important that we say that we are called to be faithful in all situations. We are called to be faithful in everything that we're struggling with and all the good times and all the bad times, uh, especially when we, at the worst times, right? At the worst times when our lives are falling apart, when things seem to be crumbling and we say, you know, where, 
where can I turn to? What's next, Lord? Why is this? You know, remain faithful in those moments because those moments, specifically those moments, are the ones where, you know, if not for those moments, then why do we have faith at all, right? If not for those moments where Jesus carries us through, you know, where, where the presence of God helps us, the, 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 the footprints poem in the sand, the presence of God helps us through difficult moments, and, and the promises of God helps us through difficult diagnoses and, and, and as we say goodbye to people we love, you know, that's where, the prom- where we lean most heavily on the promises of God, where we lean most heavily on our faith. Uh, and so it's, it's important to remain faithful in all situations. And then verse 13, uh, until I arrive, give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhorting and to teaching. So the roles of a pastor, the roles of a pastor, read the scriptures out loud and explain what they mean. Then live out the truth, right? Read the scriptures, explain what they mean, live out the truth, and then, you know, exhorting, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Pray, pray, pray. It's so important that pastors uh, pray often, uh, pray for uh, members of their congregation, pray for their their community, pray for their world, uh, pray, pray, pray. Uh, we can never pray too much. So, uh, and that's it. Short, uh, short chapter, First Timothy chapter four. Next week, we'll study First Timothy chapter five. Uh, and thank you again for joining me, and we will close with prayer. Good and gracious God, uh, we thank you for the gift of grace. We thank you for coming and being with us, for making your home in, inside of us, for dwelling with us, and for helping us through all the difficult times of life. Help us to remain faithful to you in all times. Help us to love the way that you would have us love and help us to live the way that you would have us live. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful day. Take good care of yourselves, and we will see you next week with First Timothy chapter 5.